Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BLEAV, that is capital letters BLEAV, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hunsinger, at Thunder Chats, where you're part of the Believe Network, and this podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Guys, the draft is come, and it is gone. We are victorious. We traded up for Kentucky's son, Kaysom Wallace, and we're going to talk all about that today. But it's not just going to be me running my mouth about it. I brought in a special guest that is going to give us a little more insight into that. So, Joining us today is a man that resides in Lexington, Kentucky. He is a graduate of Moorhead State University. He is the founder of Kentucky Insider. He is the editor of the Sea of Blue, and he is keeping me sane with all the latest Kentucky recruiting news. When it comes to Kentucky coverage, mirror, mirror on the wall, who is the fairest of them all? Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> please welcome in Tristan Ferris. Hey, I appreciate it. That's an awesome intro. That's probably one of the best I've gotten, so I t- that's, that's, that's cool. Absolutely, man. That's that's what we try to do here, man. We try to try to lift the spirits, you know, get everybody excited, kind of set the tone going in, man. I got but, you. I got. I love it. Well, we're absolutely excited to have you on. Uh, as you can, you know, as we was talking, like I'm very excited to talk case Wallace. But before we get into that, man, whenever we have somebody on, you know, just kind of like to ask a little background questions, just so our listeners kind of get a feel for, you know, who who it is they're listening to. So. Um, I didn't have this in here, but, you know, I think it's more important. You know, obviously, I said you're an editor, you're a writer, um, you're a founder of your own site. I got to imagine you were a Kentucky fan before you kind of went over to the media side. How long have you been a fan for? Oh, definitely. So I was um, I was born in 1998, which is a lot younger than a lot of fans that I talk to um, routinely, and they remind me of that. But I've been a fan pretty much since I was born. So uh struggled through the Billy Gillespie days. Uh, I remember, I remember the first time I ever cried uh, for a sporting event was we lost to Georgia. And I think we we were like 12 and 14 or something. And I just bawled in my room. I was like, is it going to get any better? So luckily it has. Um, But yeah, just uh, a a lot of fun um, being able to do what I do. I'm gracious and and very appreciative. Yeah, for sure, man. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely been some ups, like very high ups and then very, very low downs uh, as a Kentucky fan. So I, I relate to you on all that. Uh, God, I haven't thought about Billy Gillespie <laughs> in years. So thank you for that. Um, so we talked about you being a fan. How long have you been covering the program as media? Uh, yeah, so 2019 um, was when I started my first, my own site, uh, Kentucky mm-hmm. Insider, kind of just uh through school if I wrote a report it was always on Kentucky sports if I had the opportunity to um so finally just one day I'm just gonna give it a shot so uh, it's grown a lot um with COVID and everything it's probably when it grew the most and I wasn't Mm -hmm. able to have the opportunity to cover the team in person or anything so a lot of Zoom meetings but um since we've got out of there 
I've been given a lot of cool opportunities. Got to go to New York this past year and cover the team at the Champions Classic. Get to cover most of the home games and, and travel to a few of the away games in this NCAA tournament. So um, pretty cool experience and, and just getting a backdoor look on, on all the things I, I was once a fan of and still am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that kind of bleeds into my next question about like what kind of access you have there. I mean, you know, you, you kind of mentioned like all the things you've been able to do, but like, Man, I, I like I, I refer to you to like some of my buddies as Tristan Scoops because like you're dropping all the like the recruiting scoops. Like I, I think you mentioned Jordan Burks before I even knew that that was a possibility. Like, uh, yeah, I mean you're you're making a name for yourself in the scoop game as well. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that, that have been in it a lot longer than I have. Um, Kyle Tucker, Jack Pilgrim, Kentucky's mm-hmm. very um, lucky to have the media personnel and media outlets that we have. They, I mean, there's not very many professional teams that have those that alone college teams. So um, we're all pretty, pretty uh, in a close space. We all have pretty much the same information. If one person's going to get it, the other person's going to get it. Um, yeah. I try to, I don't have as, as many connections on the Kentucky end. Um, I try to get most of my stuff uh, with the players uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes there's a lot of smoke screens doing it that way. Uh, if you've seen this past weekend, uh, uh, with uh, Trey Mitchell, I, like, literally like five minutes before he committed, I texted his stepdad, hey, what's up? Like, anything? No, not yet. And then five minutes later, got that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, well, it is what it is. But, um, yeah, just uh, I, I, you kind of get to run around on some things. But probably mm-hmm. the, the neatest thing is just being able to see these guys. That I mean, you see them uh, in a game uh, setting and see how they react in an interview. But just seeing, I know, kind of the in-between things, just seeing them walk around campus, talk to you, just – as a friend or a person kind of it, it, it's pretty neat just seeing how their personalities really are off off the court mm-hmm. yeah and yeah it, it's kind of funny you know you like i guess like once you kind of got into your like you know your scoop game you like your intel game something that i see a lot like on twitter specifically and like when somebody new starts dropping information they're immediately like who's your source who's your source it's like dude they're not going to tell you who their source is or else their source isn't going to keep giving them information just like sit tight and wait a hundred percent. So, uh, I'll like I said, I, I I don't have as many connections on the Kentucky side. They, the Jack Pilgrim and Kyle Tucker has got most of that. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime I report stuff, especially me, me and newer, I kind of get that same reaction. You just got to kind of ignore it. It can be frustrating at times, but the way I view it is take it for what it's worth. If you don't believe it, don't believe it. If you want to believe it, it's right there for the taking. So, I kind of just let people – I have it for their own interpretation. Yeah, and we, we've had Jake Fisher on our pod numerous times uh, of Yahoo. He was on Bleach Report back in the day whenever he was coming on. And a lot of people get upset because he gets wrong. Like, he's wrong about stuff. And, like, he, he laid out the very first time he was on the pod. He's like, I'm not in it for, you know, being right 100% of the time. I'm in it for, like, the story, like, the narrative of the intel. Like, you know, I'm dropping everything I'm hearing. Like, you know, some people are very selective. They're waiting until, like, it's like, you know, on the finish line, like on the one yard line, he's like, I'm putting out everything that I'm hearing that way, you know, and it's great for guys like us because it gives us more content. So, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you grind, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, man. Well, hey, let's get into the man of the hour, Kaysen Wallace out of the University of Kentucky. So uh, first thing I want to get, I got to ask, what was something that stood out to you immediately about Kaysen Wallace? Uh, so at media day, um, found out he was really quiet um so you'll, mm-hmm. you'll you'll notice that but he's a leader um and he's a great kid um and there's I, I can't think of any complaints about him off the court so i'll just start with that but the first game he played he almost had a triple double 
So if that kind of gives yeah. you the head 15 points, nine assists, eight rebounds, something like that. So, I mean, his very first game, his freshman debut, I mean, albeit it was against Howard, but it's not very often where players get, get triple doubles, let alone on their debut. So uh, he's definitely a player that kind of just, he's balanced with everything. He can score when he needs to, when he's called upon, but he can also play make. And then obviously I think his biggest skill set is his defense. I think that's what um, he's going to help you guys most with most with um so that's what i'm excited to see just try to see how he takes that next step to the nba yeah absolutely and uh you know you kind of mentioned that triple double in game one or that near triple double i i I completely forgot about that that feels like forever ago uh it was such a wild season um you know as a kentucky fan and also with casein but um you know that was obviously a really good game but what would you say his best game was uh in his season at kentucky so there was two that really stood out to me um Obviously, there, there's he, he played really well against some low-level teams, like I mentioned, Howard. and mm-hmm. He had like 27 points against Florida A&M in December. But, I, I mean, you look at those with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. those guys are going to go on to become accountants like myself because they're going to be playing <laughs> basketball in the NBA. So, um, don't get me wrong, they're talented. They're divisional players. But, anyway, probably the two most impressive games I would say would be – this would probably be an outlier – um, a lot of people won't choose this one, but the Mississippi State game, I think mm-hmm. if you look at it, he had like five points, maybe something like that. But the crazy thing is he had 11 assists and one turnover. Yeah. Um, so that w- and that was a, a game that Kentucky came in. They lost two straight, had to win it because they weren't – they were sitting on the bubble. They had to win that game, and he was a big reason why they did and made a lot of smart decisions, made a lot of good reads. Uh, relied on Antonio Hill Reeves a lot for some of those assists, but um, that was impressive. And then probably the second game, um, I'd say the Kansas State game. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they lost at the end of the game, but he lost, he missed two shots. He was nine for eleven, missed two shots. I mean, he, he that was his last game. He had a banged up knee. He was suffering back spasms, and he gave it everything he could. He came up short, but. 20-something points. I think he had seven or eight assists, seven or eight – I mean, just another all-around game, and I think that's what you're getting in Case Wallace, just a great, great all-around player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that Mississippi State game, you know, it kind of it kind of leans towards what Sam Presti does whenever like he's drafting these players. He he's drafting players that have multiple skills. They can affect the game in multiple ways. You know, Case and Wallace, like nobody's looking at him as like you know a Shea level scorer in the NBA, but you know. At the same time, if your shot's not falling down, the question always is, what are you doing to help your team? And, you know, it's like you said, you know, he was dishing the ball out, you know, setting the table for his guys, obviously competing on the defensive end. So absolutely love that one. Uh, and the Kansas State game, like, you know, I was I, I, I was riding cloud nine for like most of the game, just like, you know, how Kaysen was doing. And then they slowly started to get back in. And I was like, all right, I'm I'm not liking this as much. But, you know, that, that was that was a really fun one. Um, Kind of looking back at some of the games, the Auburn game really st- stood out to me. And I, I don't remember what he had number-wise, but, like, just his highlight package, like, you know, just seeing the full gamut of what Case Wallace can do, like, that that's a great game to go back and watch. I really yeah, when you watch Case Wallace, like, it's not just one thing, like, stands out on the page. Like, he's, he's not a great elite shooter. He's not a great elite athlete. He's just, like we've said multiple times at this point, he's a really good player, but he's also just really fluid. Like, he doesn't doesn't force anything. He lets the game to him come to himself. He's not selfish. Um, he's there truly uh, to try to get the win or do whatever it takes to get that win and, and do it in a way that, that is team efficient. It's not taken away from anybody. It's just 
adding to the team as, as a whole. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, what was your favorite moment from Casey this season? You know, you kind of talk about favorite games, but we'll put you on the spot and kind of like twist it a little bit. So like, what was your favorite, like overall moment? And it doesn't have to be on the court. It could be something you saw off the court. Okay, so I'll pick uh, one off the court and then I'll go one off, one on the court, one off the court. Okay. So my favorite on the court, um, obviously he hit a really good sh- big shot against Michigan in December, but probably the, the Florida game at home, I believe it was early February. Um, I think we were, Kentucky was up like 10, 12 points the whole game. They finally starting to close in on it a little bit, but he scored seven points in the last two and a half minutes. And I think that just kind of, he steps up when, when Kentucky needed it most of the season, he, he was always there. Um, and, and he did it without being arrogant, without being cocky. Yeah, like you get excited, you get pumped up though. Mm-hmm. But just to go out there and just like, I've done, I, I'm a freshman, but I've done this before. I've been here before. I don't have to run on you. I score seven points, walk out, I win. Um, that's the case and loss for you. Off the court would probably be um, personally, uh, after the Providence game, uh, Kentucky won, and I interviewed him, had a little bit. And I actually partnered with, a, with an app. And the goal of that app was to uh, interview players as fans, but I was just demonstrating how it worked. Mm. So probably 15 minutes after interviewing him at at the facility, at, at the arena, went back to the hotel room and interviewed him again. And I'm pretty sure, like, we interviewed, and then we just sat there and talked for, like, 10 minutes. Like, it's just yeah. – you don't get it, – it, it, he's just a really personable guy. He's pretty neat. Um, he's like – didn't I just talk to you? <laughs> and then we just sat there and talked. But um, like I said, he's just a real, really, really good kid. And I think you guys are going to love him. Yeah. And, you know, again, that kind of tracks with, you know, something that <clears throat> Presley's been pretty adamant about in, you know, his past few drafts specifically is we draft people, not players. And everything that we've seen out of Case and everything I've heard out of Case and everything you're saying about Case and tracks of that so love that um so i wanted to ask what context would you say is missing for those that uh look for negatives in case in season like a lot of people look at his shooting you know you even mentioned that he's not an elite shooter and i wouldn't say he's an elite shooter but um i, I think that there's a little bit of context missing and you know the the three-point shooting numbers i think there's context missing in um his assist numbers as well like i I, I think that you know people see kentucky basketball and they're like oh this is supposed to be like a powerhouse team you know, they're supposed to be like one of the best teams in in the country. And, you know, they're supposed to run like a, you know, like a, like a well-tuned machine. And that just was not the case last year. Yeah. That, and unfortunately it's not really been the case for the last three, for much of the last three seasons, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and probably the biggest complaint is Kentucky's offense isn't an NBA offense. Obviously John Calipari for much of his career has been on the forefront of things. Well, that's, not been the case in terms of offense last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that's a bad thing. I mean, he if you look at the analytics and everything, by the end of the year, they have really efficient offenses. But when you look at the guards specifically, Emmanuel Quickly, Tyrese Maxey, just in the last handful of years, they kind of struggled that offense and then excelled when they left that offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a coincidence when you have multiple players doing that. Um, so I think that's kind of one thing that, that's missing is just you got to take in Kentucky's offense. It's It doesn't have as much spacing. It's not as perimeter-oriented. You're not – I think they average 18 threes a game, 19 threes a game, and that's probably less than – or more than five less <laughs> than the lowest shooting team in the NBA, just, just to give some reference. Yeah. So it's, just, it's a big difference uh, in those two, and I think probably the other context was missing is just injuries. Um, 
you, you probably didn't see it a lot because he didn't miss a lot of games. I think he maybe missed four, five. But he dealt with back spasms all year. He, he came out of the second half of games. He dealt with knee issues down late. And he, he played through it all uh, when he could and, and when the team allowed him to. But that has to give some impact, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're at the end of the season. Um, Kentucky's relied on you for 25-plus games at this point, and your body just can't hold up. Um, and when you're playing that often, when you're trying to recover, it's, you got to build up sometime. And he just never really got the opportunity to. And I, it, it didn't really impact his game as a whole, but it did impact his shooting, um, mm-hmm. uh, especially earlier in the year. He was shooting like something – he was shooting like 45% from three. So he's a capable yeah. shooter. Um, I don't think he's that great of a shooter. 45%. Yeah. I don't expect anything like that. But especially off off the just off the catch, um, that's something that you can. If he just sits in that corner, obviously he's not going to be in charge of running the offense when he's in most of the time. But just that corner wing spot, he he can be dangerous in that. So I think pretty much the only context you're really missing is just kind of Kentucky's older offense and, mm-hmm. and just some injury issues that he had to endure this season. Yep. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, you kind of touched on it with uh, quickly and Maxie specifically, but I mean, you, you can go back a few years, man. You can go back Jamal Murray and go back Devin Booker, Tyler Hero, like all these UK guards, Darren Fox, like they outperformed their draft position. And in doing so, they showed something in the NBA that they wasn't able to show at Kentucky. And it's not just guards like Bam Adebayo, like is doing stuff in the NBA that you didn't seem to do at Kentucky. Carl Anthony Towns. Same reason, like, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, why do you think that is, and do you think that Kaysen is a candidate to show a little bit more than what he got to show Kentucky? So I kind of touched on it when I said the the reason that they kind of struggle at times in Kentucky is their offense, and that's not the reason for everything. And I kind of think Kentucky as a whole has been, has grown reputation, especially since Calipari has been there, as an NBA factor. Mm-hmm. Like, they, I mean, they've had 40, I think when they sent out the press release last week, 47 of the 78 players that have won the Kentucky and Calipari under Calipari have been drafted. I mean, that's an insane number regardless of school. That's 12 more than Duke, who's insane. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a crazy number to put that many players in the NBA. So, it, it, it's grown that reputation for good reason. I think a large reason – most of those players are one and done. Uh, we're talking about specifically Kaysen. And when you talk about a player that makes a big jump, it usually happens with time, between their freshman and sophomore year. And I think when you're seeing a lot of those players transition to the NBA, they get a really good foundation at Kentucky. That they learn how to be a pro mm-hmm. despite not being uh, in the NBA yet. I mean, Kentucky is as pro as it gets um, at the collegiate level. I mean, there's when you're in a press room and you have 40 cameras in there, you're already getting that NBA media training. Mm-hmm. Um, you have 24,000 people sitting here. I mean, the whole experience is just a Kentucky thing. So you're getting the foundation of – of growing and developing into a better player already, and then they can carry that into the offseason and improve on a player that they were at Kentucky. So I think that's one of the reasons that when they leave Kentucky and, and they go into a new system that has different trainers, different developments, they carry that foundation and they grow as a player. It's not necessarily that they were worse at Kentucky. They've just they've grown a little bit on that. And you see mm-hmm. that in the NBA, especially when they go from their freshman <clears> or not freshman, their rookie, to second-year seasons, you see a lot of improvement in there. So I think you're just seeing some of those players grow as 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 players and develop. But just also, I mean, there is some of that Kentucky offense uh, that does need to be improved. 
um, which that's not an issue to talk about on your show probably, <laughs> but um, yeah, there, there is some of that. Yeah, no, I, we could definitely talk about that offline <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a uncommon sentiment to have. Um, but yeah, no, that, that, that all makes sense. And you know, that was, that was kind of one of my pitches to Thunder fans and, you know, my co-host on the podcast for drafting case walls is like, do you really want to be the guy that, you know, lets another Kentucky guard slide and he just improves astronomically in the NBA? Like, you know, I, I know it's not an exact science. I know you got guys like Brandon Knight, BJ Boston, you know, ETC guys that just haven't worked out. Ty Ty Washington, somebody threw out at me. I'm like, okay, Ty Ty Washington was a rookie last year. He spent a lot of time in the G League. He's in Houston Rockets, one of the worst ran organizations in the league right now. Like, Let's cool off on Ty Ty Washington. I was say, it, before you make any judgment on any Kentucky player in the G League, look at Jared Vanderbilt. The dude spent yeah. two and a half years in the G League, and then the next thing you know, he's starting alongside LeBron James, which I did not think would ever happen <laughs> when yeah, he was yeah. <laughs> when you didn't even know if he was going to play a game for Kentucky to injuries. But um, like I said, Kentucky they know how to get players, and, and while they've had their fair share of uh, of crap shoots <laughs> mm-hmm. they've also had a lot of a lot of guys hit so I, I yeah i would say they have a higher success rate than they do miss rate so mm-hmm. absolutely and then that's a great point on vanderbilt i haven't even thought about that so i appreciate that um all right let's kind of get into the thunder just a little bit you know as as we get towards the end of this so you know we talked a lot about case and how he is as a player how he is as a person how do you see case and fitting in this thunder system so i will preface this by saying my knowledge on the thunder have uh, is not as in depth as <laughs> Kentucky's. Uh, obviously, you guys have Shay, another Kentucky alum, who's your all star. You have uh, Lou Dort. You have Josh Giddy. You have a lot of pieces uh, headlined by Shay, and then you have a lot of complementary pieces. And I think where it, it, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that's just where I see it. And then you have Casey Wallace. I believe that's going to slide in there um, and, and provide even more compliments to all those pieces. You don't want to take it away from anybody especially when you have so many players contributing and in and, and a myriad of ways. Um, I mean, you all got Jalen Williams last year. He's mm-hmm. proven to be really good. So you don't want to take away from any of those players that have proven to be valuable to your team. And, I mean, you almost got the eighth seed this year with the youngest roster in the NBA. Like, you don't want to mess that up. So I think if just putting yourself in, in Sam Pressy's shoes and you want to draft somebody, you prove, you've proven – um, to draft an all-around player. Um, like, I, I, like I said, I don't believe it's going to take away from anybody. He's going to be really good on the defensive end specifically. Um, when he can score or, or when he needs to score, he can. Um, that being said, he's that's probably his biggest uh, area of improvement. He, he can get to the basket. He can finish around the rim. He can shoot. But it's just a lot of okay things uh, mm-hmm. on the offensive end. So uh, other than his playmaking, his playmaking has been great. But just somebody that uh, when you want somebody that's – a secondary player, your dream is somebody that goes in there and plays defense and makes the right play. And that's what Casey Wallace, especially early on in his career, I believe is going to be. Yeah, dude, he just like, I, I've been watching some like, you know, full games and some highlights, you know, ever since we drafted him again. And like, he just makes winning plays, dude. Like, especially like defensively, he, he goes after balls that like you wouldn't normally see defenders go after, but it's not in like a gambling sense. Like he, he goes after it knowing that he's going to get to the ball and, you know, create a, you know, transition opportunity for his team. Um, I think one, not to cut you off. No, you're the one thing I will, I will note, even though we've talked about how good Case Wallace is defensively, he and blame it on the injuries or whatever reason, especially towards the end of last season, 
he didn't have that step to get in front of the guy. So mm-hmm. I, I, that is something to watch as he goes to the NBA. He is really good defensively. But if somebody has an elite first step, that's where he kind of struggles. And where he succeeds defensively is specifically in off-ball and team defense, just getting in passing lanes, making the right reads. He's not as good as a defender and great as a defender as he is. He's just not an elite. You you got Kyrie Irving in front of him. He's not going to shut him down. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't want anybody expecting that, but uh, he is a really good defender. Yeah, and I think that's what that's that's an advantage the Thunder have in having Lou Dort. Like you know, you're not going to ask rookie Case Wallace to go in and guard a Kyrie Irving or a Luka Doncic. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, if they're on the same team, you might, you know, Lou <laughs> Dort's guarding Doncic, but like Dort's going to cover like you know the toughest defensive matchup every night. And not only that, you know, he's able to learn from Lou Dort, and he's already talked about you know how he's looking forward to learn from a guy like Lou Dort. Um, you know in his career. Um, something that Sam Presti said, <coughs> said about Kaysen that um, I really liked. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> it, it, it gets me choked up. I get emotional. <coughs> Not, okay. Jesus Christ. One yeah, second. Oh, Lord. I'd plug, a, I'd plug a sponsor there for you if I, if I had a read. But. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Um, no, something that Bresti said about Kaysen that um, never really thought of, and you know, it was like super insightful. Like something Sam Bresti always says, he's a no agenda type player. Like you know, he doesn't care how many shots he's getting. He doesn't care how much he's getting the ball. He just wants to win basketball games. And in terms of his role, I think that he's going to compete with Trey Mann for that, like, you know, first guard off the bench or first like ball handler off the bench rather, because, you know, we kind of play positionless. Um, he's going to compete with Trey Mann, probably play with Isaiah Joe. And, you know, in spots, you know, if Dort gets like in foul trouble early, he can come in with the, you know, starting unit. If Dort's hurt, he can slide in that starting role. I think he's going to have a lot of different opportunities, but, you know, him, him having no agenda, you know, like that, that gives Mark Dagnall, the head coach, uh, you know, the ability to trust him, you know, to go out there and just do the right thing. So, um, yeah, I, I really love that, man. Um, and, you know, off ball defense, also, like you were saying, that was something Sam Presti highlighted in his post game press or in his post draft presser. Sorry about that. Um, about, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, he he really covers out of Case Wallace and Mark Daynault actually uh, somebody said, How do you who do you compare Case and Wallace to? And Mark Daynault said Ed Reed, you know, the football <laughs> safety, because he's just a ball hawk whenever like yeah. he's got great um, you know, ball instincts. So um yeah, I mean that everything tracks with what you're saying, man. Um I, I wanna ask you this, you know, kind of talking about player comps, you know, you can say Ed Reed if you want to, but uh, you know, I'm trying to stay with the NBA here. Uh what do you think his floor and ceiling as a player is? I think you're going to hear a lot, and this is what I've heard a lot, is Drew Holiday. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a generic response. I think if I were to go just personally with me uh, covering UK and stuff, and I know it's an easy comparison, but Emmanuel quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Emmanuel quickly is a little bit faster, but he's a really good defender. He's probably a little bit better shooter than, than Case Wallace is right now. But you see Emmanuel quickly's – could have won six man of the year. I think he finished second and third in voting this year. And I think that's where you could see Casey Wallace make an impact. If he were to reach that ceiling, I think that's where he's at is just that I would love for him to be a, a Drew Holiday all-star caliber player. Mm-hmm. I just don't 
I, I don't see that happening just because he doesn't do one thing elite right now. Um, he's really, really good at a lot of things, just not elite. Um, so I'd love to see him grow into that. But I think just realistically, I see him being like an Emmanuel quickly type player. You kind of plug and play. Um, he can be that primary playmaker when you need him to. Um, he can go guard one of the other opponent's team's um, best guard uh, mm -hmm. at times. And just when you need a winning play, just somebody to put in just at any time, you just put him in. Um, and I ask kind of just just a plug and play wherever you need him type, type of player. Um, as far <laughs> as floor goes, I kind of see a Dorian Finney-Smith um, type player. Mm. Just somebody that is really good defensively, but that's all he can really bring. And that's that's kind of my biggest worry with Case Wallace. I know it's been a Case Wallace love fest on this podcast because he's a really good player, and I think you guys are getting uh, a heck of a player at, at, with the 10th pick. I just – there are some concerns with his offensive play just because at Kentucky he struggled to create shots. It's not going to get any easier in the NBA. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he can finish when he gets to the rim, but how easy can he get to the rim? Yeah, he can shoot, but how – often is he going to get that wide open shot uh, and the Thunder offense and stuff like that. So that's just – that is something to watch and just see how um, he can develop in, in his first one or two seasons with you guys. I'll tell you what, he's going to get a lot of open looks, uh, especially <laughs> early on with, with Shea driving – Shea and Giddy driving into the lane and, you know, hopefully Chet coming back into the fold. Uh, or, you know, we're, we're hoping for a lot of open looks. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm just very excited to – you know, we kind of touched on, you know, his lack of spacing. I'm very excited to see him play in Summer League. Um, you know, we're – Jay Williams is playing in Summer League. Chet's playing uh, – Chet is not confirmed to play in Summer League, but, you know, he's very widely expected to play in Summer League. Uh, Usman Jang, of course, Keontae Johnson. Like, you know, we're, we're bringing in a lot of the players that, you know, would normally play, you know, in the regular season to the Summer League. So, I'm excited to see how Kaysen plays with the – plays with the guys um all right so kind of the last thing like final thoughts like what something to leave the thunder fans with what should thunder fans look forward to with case wallace okay so i have this noted because i wanted to make sure i know this case wallace was the only freshman in the country last year to average 11 points per game four assists and two steals and as we've said he's going to be a great all-around player um, but I think what you guys are going to like more are just the intangibles. Uh, mm -hmm. He makes winning plays. He's a competitor. He's never going to back out. He never wants to be taken out of the game unless he's forced to. And that mm -hmm. talk, that even talks about his injuries. Um, I mean, there was – I believe it was the Vanderbilt game. Kentucky ended up losing. He wanted to come back in the second half. The staff just wouldn't let him. They didn't want to risk it, which I completely understand. But I think that just says a lot about the person and player he is. He doesn't want to list teammates down. Um, he wants he, – he realizes he has a responsibility to any team he plays on. He wants to f fulfill it. So that's one thing. Um, and, and I touched on it a little bit earlier is he's quiet, but he's also a dog. Like, mm -hmm. he, he it, it, when he wants something, he's going to go get it, whether that be the defensive end. He wants to go get a basket. He's going to go get it. Um, so competitor, quiet, the dog. And, and then, like I said, he's just tough. Um, he's a tough he, – he's a great kid. I think he – there's no complaints I've ever have, had a case in Wallace while he was here. Um, mm -hmm. off the court, on the court. Um, great teammate. Just I think you guys are – like I said, it's it's a case and all slow fest uh, going on, but he's a really great a really great player and great kid. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, and there's a there's kind of a discourse about how to say his name. You know, a lot of people are saying Kason. He said it's actually pronounced Kason. Uh, Sam Presti just called him Kason. I just said, call you know, Queso. Just call him Queso. Yeah, that's yeah. It. That's what the fans are gonna go. Just call him Queso. Don't even worry about the rest. Of the- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's his new name. I was like, you know, it don't matter what you call him, just call him a dog because that's absolutely what he is. So, um, yeah, man, very, very excited to see Case in, in, in a Thunder jersey out on the court with these guys. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. But, Tristan, man, I appreciate you coming on. You were most gracious coming on. You dropped a lot of knowledge and insight and perspective into Case Wallace that we hadn't hadn't really thought about yet. So definitely appreciate that. I want to give the floor to you, man, plug anything you might be working on where folks can find you if they want to, you know, uh, read more into your work. Uh, yeah. So as you mentioned, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, that's Trist at Tristan Nita. Um, that, that's my Twitter handle. Um, check out my work on a sea of blue or Kentucky insider. If you're really interested in some Kentucky stuff, you, you ever want to check out sometimes, but, uh, I'll leave that on note. I really hope you guys get PJ Washington this off season. Oh yes, <laughs> that's 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 kind of if I want him to go anywhere, I want him to go to Thunder. Just I just I like when seeing a bunch of Kentucky players just team up in one team. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 what I'm betting on. Um, I don't know if it'll happen, but that's just what I'm I'm rooting for. So, um, but yeah, I appreciate you you having me and being on and being able to share a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, that's that's been an agenda I've been pushing for years too. And you know the, you know, I mean, we just had Fox and Monk team up in Sacramento, and like, look, look what it did. It, so, it worked. It worked. I'm just saying, like, they need to they need to go ahead and package, or, you know, they need to trade some bonus for Bam to Miami, and you know, really reunite reunite the team. I, I was really hoping, uh, as I say, if they. Uh, uh, we're talking about our Kentucky fandom now. But I was really <laughs> hoping they would just draft Sheboy just because I hated watching them go against the Warriors and then not being able to grab one rebound. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. But um, but yeah, yeah, man. No, it's uh, I love Oscar. You know, there's a lot of people that wanted us to draft Oscar just because of uh, you know how the last game went. You know, playing against Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and I'm like. I love Oscar. You know, he's like one of the, like my favorite players in all of Kentucky basketball. I just don't know that his game translates to today's NBA. So, hundred percent, I'm with you. But yeah, no, I've been I've been pushing the PJ Washington or the Thunder agenda for a long time. I was trying to get Kevin Knox. You know, just take a swing at it. We had Hami for a while. I wanted Vando. Like, j- just give me PJ. That that would make me happy. I think Thunder fans would be happy too. So we're Let's in agreement. You guys can get him at a discount. Yeah, for real. But. <laughs> All right, Tristan. Well, um, this is uh, this is actually part one of a two-part podcast. We will be having uh, Kansas State reporter uh, to come on talk about Keontae Johnson after this. So uh, on the other side of this break, you will be with Alex after a word from our sponsors. All right, and welcome back from that break. Uh, we are we're heading into into part two of our post draft um, post draft deep dive into our our prospects that we got. So. Dylan went ahead and covered the first part with uh, Kason Wallace out of Kentucky, and now we're going to go ahead and do a little deep dive into Keontae Johnson out of Kansas State University. And so doing that, you know, we have an expert joining us. Um, he is a resident of Salina, Kansas. Salina, right? Correct. Not Salina like these crazy wackos say it's Salina, <laughs> Kansas. Um, he's the Kansas State beat writer for the Topeka Capital Journal, Salina Journal, and the Hutchinson News. Uh, when it comes to KSU basketball, you better clear out because he has the green light. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Arnie Green. Thank nice you to be here. On. All right. Um, so, Arnie, just first off, 
every time we have a, uh, a guest on the show, we like to kind of get their background. Um, and so for you, I, I would like to know maybe what got you into sports and maybe what, what sport. So what sports do you cover for, for your newspaper? Uh, primarily uh, football and men's basketball. I dabble a little in women's basketball and if anything else so, comes so, up. So what got you into sports? Like, what do you really like about sports? Uh, I just, growing up, I just always followed sports. And when I was in high school, uh, I took an elective English class called sports writing oh, <laughs> and wow. just kind of stumbled into it. And uh, I had a teacher that I guess saw some potential in me. So I did a little bit of stuff for our, for a, local paper and uh also just did the whole uh, high school paper and went to KU and uh got my degree in journalism and I've been doing it ever since awesome man awesome so how long have you been covering KSU um I started in 1998 but uh there were a couple of years where uh I was with the Salina Journal and uh there were a couple of years where we didn't cover them. And then when uh, Gannett also bought Topeka mm -hmm. paper, they, uh, they needed a K-State writer. So I kind of, that's been about five years ago, I guess, that I started up. And now it's actually just the last couple of years, it's become a full-time thing. Awesome. So, you, so you're currently with the Topeka Capital Journal, correct? Um. Or are you with all three Tech, of those that I mentioned? Uh, all three of them, really. Like I said, I'm in Salina, but we don't. I work from home, so. Uh, but I think I'm listed on the Topeka website right now. Awesome. But I've been, yeah, I've been in Salina since 96. Okay. So kind of looking into, like, you know, trying to peer behind the curtain, like how much access do you have into KSU? Like, are you there at the practices, at the games? Um basically games and any media opportunities it's an hour away from me so um but pretty much i'm able to get to to all the media availabilities they have mm -hmm. and uh, and all the games so hey i know all about that I, I live about an hour and 10 minutes away from from oklahoma city and so <clears throat> i'm there for a lot of the media availability stuff for the thunder but i miss a lot of the practices and stuff because it just it just happens to be an hour and a half away you know like so um, I get where you're coming from. So, but we don't really have access to the practices anyway, so okay. I don't really miss that on very much. So, kind of looking at Keontae. So, first of all, the big thing about Keontae is the backstory. Um, do you have? I mean, have you guys discussed, or do you know in detail a lot of what happened to him at Florida, as far as like the heart condition and him coming back from that? Um, I believe it was in December of uh, 2020, uh, like four games into his junior season uh, at Florida State, he collapsed uh, on the floor, I think, coming out of a timeout and was rushed to the hospital. And he was in a medically induced coma for a few days. And he was in his time at, at Florida, it was never cleared to play again. They I think they finally what they diagnosed it with, with as was a um, they call it athlete's heart. I can't remember the medical 
term for it, basically from intensive uh, training, I think. Mm. But anyway, he was never cleared there. He served kind of as a student coach during the rest of his time there. And I think they activated him for his final game on senior day. Uh, oh, wow. So he could just get on. I think he was just on for the opening tip. And then anyway, he, um, and I know he had an insurance policy. I'm thinking like $5 million and he was never cleared by Florida, but uh, he wanted to, to play, continue playing. And so he went through a lot of, jumped through a lot of hoops, went to a lot of doctors and finally was cleared by Kansas state. And then, uh, he played his entire senior season and basically made himself into a draftable player again, though he was, I think, considered a lottery pick. He was a preseason SEC player of the year going into his junior year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he was highly regarded, but still it's a pretty remarkable story. The way he came back after basically two seasons of inactivity to, yeah, because that was that was the whole what twenty one, twenty two, and then twenty two, twenty three seasons. So that's two full seasons where he he sat out um, and really wasn't able to do much uh, physically either during during that time. Did did he talk a lot about that, or was it more like that? You know, that's my past. I'm I'm at K State now. I'm moving on. Uh, he's he's pretty willing to and open about it if if people asked him. I think we pretty much covered it early early on, but uh, I know it came up again when uh, K-State played Florida in Manhattan, so then you kind of revisited it, and he I know he got to meet with the, the trainer that helped mm. save him on the court, and that was pretty emotional. I know he took a lot of pictures with, with former teammates and stuff afterwards, but uh, um, really he, I don't think he shied away from it, but at the same time, I think he was pretty eager to let his his actions on the court kind of speak yeah. for him. <laughs> little, little, little revenge game action. Yeah. Um, so what is something that stood out to you immediately about Keontae? Like something that, you know, as far as like, as soon as you started interviewing this guy, as soon as you started kind of, you know, seeing his game, that kind of just stood out to you. Well, he's extremely likable guy, and he's always very accommodating as far as for the media. Uh, as far as his game, really his consistency, I was looking through his game-by-game -game stats. He had two games all season that he didn't score in double figures. One of them happened to be the Elite Eight game where he got in foul trouble, and that was probably a major reason why K-State lost to Florida Atlantic. Um, but, so, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, but also just his his strength. He's not – I think I saw from the draft combine, they listed him as under six foot five, but yet he's was their leading rebounder and really just strong. It's got a long wingspan, so – but he was just really powerful. And one thing that really improved as the season went on was his perimeter shooting. He'd never really been a three-point shooter at uh, 
Florida, and yet he shot, let's see, 40, 40.5% from three. Yeah, he was almost okay, stay. He was almost automatic from the from the corners. Like that is yeah, that is definitely a skill in the NBA. Whenever you look at it, as far as the three and D wing, if you're automatic mm-hmm. in the corners, you're playing. You're playing a lot of minutes. Yeah, and he did play a lot of minutes. That's the other thing when you consider how long he'd been out. Mm-hmm. He averaged uh, let's see, thirty six minutes. I think a game. 34 yeah, minutes a game, yeah. but It's a high percentage out of a 40-minute game. Yeah. And he played all 45 minutes in the overtime win, I believe, against Michigan State in the NCAA tournament. That's good. That's good. Um, what, uh, what would you say in covering him, what would you say was his best game of the season? Uh, I would say probably the – the game at Texas, which was the league opener, I believe he had. Mm-hmm. Let me see. I'm going to look here. He had 28 points. And I'm sorry, uh, 38 points. And uh, just that was just K State put on a clinic offensively mm-hmm. that game. They scored 100 and I believe it was 109, no, 116 points. Uh, for a team that was a little bit suspect offensively going into the conference season. And that was, I guess that was their, their second league game, but uh, yeah, he and Marquise Noel just combined to take over that game. Marquise, he was, uh, he was picked up by Toronto, Toronto. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. He signed a two way deal with Toronto. So yeah, he's pretty good too. Um, what would what would you say was your favorite moment of Keontae this season? Either on um, the court. That's a good question. I would say just really, like I said, with him, it was it was just the consistency. He wasn't particularly flashy. I mean, you can take any any number of his alley oop dunks from Marquise Noel. I mean, they were people knew it was coming, and they still couldn't stop it i would say maybe the the game-winning basket against michigan state where that was a tipping uh no that was a that was a reverse dunk on a on a lob uh at the end of overtime and uh it looked for all the world like jerome tang was telling marquise to run a to run a play and they were kind of talking back and forth all of a sudden he just flipped it up there and, and Keontae went up and got it and dunked over his head. Yeah. So, I mean, that was definitely the most meaningful, I would guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we look at, we know his strengths, you know, we know his, his three point shooting became a big strength last year. Uh, we know his, his length his is uh, how strong he is. Uh, but what are some maybe negatives that you see that can maybe, you know, that he needs to work on as he heads into into the next phase of his career? I would say definitely his uh, his ball handling, especially off the dribble, and he had his assist-to-turnover ratio. He's a good passer, but his his turnover numbers were, were fairly high. That's one thing when we spoke to him before the draft he talked about working on also, and, and also some, he said, on, on his off off ball off the ball defense but 
Um, Jerome Tang also has said he thinks Keontae can defend probably any one of three positions defensively. So I think, you know, he's not a, I don't think he's a liability defensively, but uh, he may have some matchup matchup issues. And I know sometimes going to the basket, he got, it seemed like he got, when he was took a straight line drive to the basket, sometimes he got blocked by, by taller, taller players, but he's fearless going to the basket and he could score pretty much from anywhere on the floor. But I would say probably his ball handling and, and perhaps, yeah, his, his defense would be his, what he would say were his biggest. His off ball defense on ball, he was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's, that's what he, he addressed, but I'd say even on the ball, if he's, if he's going against uh, maybe a smaller uh, wing player in the NBA, especially that could, that might be, be an issue, but um, at the same time, really his greatest strength, like I said, was his consistency. And I think his just versatility. So I know K-State K has a pretty good list of, of NBA players, guys like Mitch Richmond, Hall of Famer, Orlando Blackman, um, number two pick, Michael Beasley, which I loved cool, you know, easy, cool bees, but, like, I, I always wonder why he never really stuck on in the league. Um, you know, guys like Dean Wade, Dean Wade. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say Dean was, yeah. Uh, yeah. When undrafted signed a, a two way deal with, uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers and uh, it just turned out to be a, a perfect fit and right place at the right time, which I think with a lot of the fringe guys, that's so important <laughs> in the NBA is you've got to, and I guess with, in college too, sometimes with finding the right the right fit. Um, but really, um, Keontae is the first K-State player drafted since 2017. And that was Wessa Wundu. Uh, yeah. For the Magic. Who's had a, yeah, a decent NBA career, but, uh, Michael Beasley is probably the, been the most, most successful, certainly in, in the time since I've covered K-State. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I I always enjoyed Michael Beasley's game, and, I, and he was a monster in college. And I just never know why it didn't translate into the NBA. Um, but as far as looking at Keontae's game, how do you see him? How how do you see his trajectory kind of going into the league? Like how the league is is trending towards three and D players, um, towards like these heavy role players that that take a lot of minutes, maybe don't get paid like the superstars, but do impact the game very heavily. Um, how do you see his career going in the NBA here in this early in this early time? I think um, actually I, I would think the NBA game might benefit him just being a little bit more wide open because he is very good in the open court. He runs the floor well. He's uh, like I said, he's he's pretty solid offensively. Uh, and I don't think stamina is going to be an issue anymore with him. I think he proved that with uh, with the 36 games 
at K State. So, yeah. So, um, again, I think it just depends also on what on what the Thunder needs and uh, how he how he fits in with the other players. But I think the fact that he is pretty versatile should serve him well. Hopefully, he can carve out a niche there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know Jerome Tang said he thinks give him a year and the Thunder will be pretty happy that they, that they picked him. Well, he said, whichever team (laughs) gets him uh, won't be disappointed. And uh, I don't think there's any questioning his work ethic. So I think, and from everything I can tell, he's a good teammate was well liked by, by all his team. It was a pretty tight knit team overall. So uh, I think all those intangibles will, will serve him well. Uh, as far as how, what kind of trajectory, I think that, again, I think that a lot of that's going to depend on on the team around him too and how he can, mm-hmm. can find a way to fit in. But I think he's pretty adaptable in that sense. I, and, I, and I know you said whenever we were talking um, on text, I know you said that you don't really – cover the NBA or you, you don't pay attention too much to the NBA. Uh, do you pay attention a little bit to the Thunder being that they're closer to you than basically any other team? Um, not a whole lot, to be honest. I've just, uh, just, just over yes, the years, I've kind yes. of gotten away from the, from the NBA game. I just, uh, like I said, the, a lot of time, it's just a matter of time because during a lot of, my time covering K-State, I was also covering high schools and other and other things. So it just was a matter of of time, really. Uh, but you know, I'll tune into the the playoffs and things like that occasionally. And uh, you know, it's a whole the it's a whole different game. The athletes are just so incredible. Yeah. But I guess I kind of prefer the college game just probably from the more, I guess it's more the team aspect of it. You see the, where you, where you pretty much have to, because the athletes are not obviously the caliber of NBA athletes, but. And, and I think, I think what you said is will probably be true in that Keontae will probably have not necessarily an easier path in the NBA, but he'll probably have a more defined role. And I think he will excel in that role. Like he won't have to be the the A or B on 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 the team. He could be the he could just be a a very expertly used role player um, that I think will will succeed because of that. Um, and I think in the Thunder system, and I know you don't you may not know too much about it, but I think in the Thunder system uh, with their development plan and how they you know how they push players forward, I think he has a huge opportunity to go ahead and maybe be a, a a big time role player two, three years down the line. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, what do you think his floor and his ceiling is as a player in the league? Well, I would uh, hope that he can, that he can contribute. Uh, but I know also as a number 50 pick, uh, mm-hmm. that certainly isn't a guarantee. I think uh, we'll maybe have a better idea of that also maybe through the summer league and, uh, and how he fits in with the team. But I think, like I said, the games that he's demonstrated at, you know, he's, I think he's got a pretty high ceiling 
if he can establish himself as a consistent consistent scorer and get and get enough minutes to to show that but uh for example even in the i mentioned the the uh florida atlantic game where he played 18 minutes he still scored the two that he didn't reach double figures he still scored nine points Mm -hmm. in limited minutes so he's he's going to be productive when he's on the court i think and that's there again really important if you're a role player but um, who knows down the line he may you know he may develop into a a consistent starter f- for that matter if he uh if he continues to develop and keeping in mind that he just played a season after basically two years off yeah I also don't think an age i don't think age even though he's twenty three years old i don't think should be too much of a factor because he also had two years where he didn't go through the mm-hmm. you know through the wear and tear so uh, i don't think the age is probably as much of a factor as some people might worry about he's a twenty three year old in a twenty one year old body yeah <laughs> all right so um <laughs> as as we you know start to end this any any funny stories? Any funny interactions uh, that you had with Keontae uh, this season? Really, not a whole lot. Like I said, really, we don't don't have a whole lot of access to the guys. We had a had him mostly after games and just a few media opportunities. I think the team as a whole had a lot of fun, and you would see their uh, social media people did a really good job of of showing that, but I think it was just kind of a fun loving team and kind of a reflection of their coaches. But uh, as far as personal interactions, really he was pretty straightforward and business-like pretty soft spoken, but also very humble, but also uh, like I said, well liked by, by everybody around him, including talk to sports information. People said he was, you know, very, never had to worry about about him very accommodating and uh just generally a, a pretty good person almost like he was the adult in the, in the room with, with um, all those teenagers around him yeah i think so well you had him and marquise also was a fifth year guy so mm-hmm. so you had two veteran leaders plus a, a couple of other uh other super seniors so and that's kind of the way Jerome Tang wanted to build his team with some some veterans, and he's trying to do that, I know, through the portal this year, too, to make sure that he has some of those guys that can be, like you said, the adults in the room. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of ending this. Um, what is What do Thunder fans need to know about Keontae Johnson? Um, I just think... I think if they know know the backstory, I think you can't help but but root for the guy. I think you'll see, like I said, a guy who's going to go to work each day and incredibly consistent. The I'm trying to remember how many games into the season before he failed to score in double figures, and that was one of K State's worst games. Was that? at Texas tech when they went through kind of a, a lull right after that was when Jerome Tam figured that he needed to kind of back off on them a little bit. He was, 
maybe not letting them get enough recovery time and so on. And then again, he picked right up again. And unfortunately, he had a couple of bad calls in the Florida Atlantic game, plus took a couple of chances, ill-advised chances. And uh, But boy, when he was on the court, they were a different team. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds great. Good. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that'll, I think fans will see that, that he's steady and, and he's also, yeah, he's just kind of a calm demeanor on the floor. That's great. I mean, whenever you're, whenever you're picking 50, um, you're, you're, you're taking a swing, you're taking a little bit of swing, but you're also just wanting to get maybe some guys that are, that are veteran college players, veteran uh, rookies that can come in and maybe contribute immediately. And so I think, I think Keontae, you know, he, he fits that bill. You know, he reminds me a lot of Aaron Wiggins, a guy that, you know, we've had in our system for three years. Um, and, a guy that, you know, he was, he was, I think he was a junior. I don't think he was a senior. I think he was a junior at Maryland whenever he, he decided to declare for the draft. Um, and we took him with the 55 pick, number 55, and he's turned out to be a great, you know, a good, a good solid role player for us, and he's shown flashes. So I think Keontae is probably going to be on that same trajectory um, with this team, and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for his future. I'm really excited for Summer League. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely excited for him. Um, but, Arnie, thank you very much for coming on. Is there anything you want to plug? Is there anything you want to plug as far as your, you know, your work with the newspapers and things like that? Not at the moment. We're just trying to chase down a few of the football commitments that hopefully will be coming in the next couple of days and uh, also following the, the basketball transfer portal. Jerome Tang wants to add a couple of more players, and I think they got a couple of the West Virginia uh, players coming in this week mm. uh, that might finish up their roster so yeah so hey for 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 ksu coverage and basketball and football you know your, your guy arnie green is is the guy to to kind of tap into so arnie thank you very much for coming on um and as we end this podcast as we always do uh you know stay safe hoop when you can um and <laughs> as always thunder up baby we all have right, our, my pleasure. We, we always ahead. have our guests say "thunder up" also. So, if you would like to say "okay," thunder well, "thunder up." Yeah, baby. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.